All right. Welcome back, everybody, to the Stories of Freedom podcast. So Chris Weddington here. Hey, guys. I'm Kayla Creasy. And then our guest today is Mindy Depaz. Hi. I'm glad you told me how to pronounce that because I, I still had to second guess myself just a second ago. <laughs> you did great. <laughs> um, so anyway, um, yeah, so we're, we're getting ready to do this. And uh, before, before we uh, record or we uh, listen to Mindy's testimony, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the shirts that we have. And now you've got a tumbler also or like a little... Yeah, I was messing around with, with some cups that I've been making and it turned out really cool. That wood grain looks yeah. really cool. I was going to bring it today and then I forgot. I was going to bring it this morning. Yeah. But, yeah. No, that looks really nice. Yeah. So they're, they're coated in like a FDA compliant epoxy. So it's like completely food safe and... Just is it for FYI. a coffee cup or yeah, like a, yeah, it's okay. like a travel coffee mug. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So you'll see it on my uh, on my Etsy. I realized when I listened back to last episode, I didn't even say what my Etsy shop name was. <laughs> so I was like, oh shoot, they're not even gonna know what it is. Yeah. Uh, but it's Krishi Farms. It's my last name. It's K R I S C H E Farms um, oh. on Etsy. So if you search cool. it, it'll come up. Yeah. So we yeah. got the Stories of Freedom shirts and the yeah. cups up there and stuff and. Um, Again, all that money just basically goes back to growing the podcast mm-hmm. and, and having more people hear the stories. So uh, we've got it all set up now where any of that money just goes right yeah. to set up an account where we can do uh, Facebook ads and stuff because that seemed to work really well when we did that yeah. a couple weeks ago. Um, I also did want to talk about um, Amelia and her book. Oh um, we talked to her on the phone the other day. Yeah. She is so she's the one that um, found us through the Facebook ads mm-hmm. and uh, shared her book on our Facebook page. And uh, we've both read it, and it is a really, really good book. She's got a powerful story. Yeah. A lot of stuff she's been through, and I think that uh, you know, there's the, it, her story is, is definitely going to reach somebody and help free somebody from. Mm-hmm. From that life, just just her books basically about um, domestic violence and stuff like that. So it's it's really good. We're gonna have her on the podcast. I think that episode's gonna be July what twenty second or twenty third, whatever that yeah. Sunday Monday is. Because um, I'm gonna be out of town, you're gonna be out of yeah. town, and we've got to record that one over the phone anyway. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited about having her on. She's excited to come on. So yeah. awesome. Yep. Um, but yeah, those are pretty much the updates. Just uh, and if if you don't remember the Etsy page um, exactly or whatever, you can just go to our Facebook page yeah. and the link is on there. I know some people mentioned they didn't see it come through their news feed, mm. but that's just because Facebook doesn't put everything yeah. out on everybody's page all the time. So, um, but if you just go to our Facebook page, you'll see the link on there. And um, I might put a video up or something within the next maybe next weekend or something like that. Something that I've been kind of thinking about to fill that every other week gap. So look for that. But if it's not there, then maybe I just got busy or I (laughs) forgot. So, um, but I'm hoping to put something up. So anyway, with that being said, um, I guess we'll get into Mindy's story. I've actually never heard it. Um, I don't really know. I don't think I know anything about it really. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure you do. We've hung out a few times, but still it's different. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited to hear it and see. Me too. Okay, well, so as I already told you guys, I really didn't prepare anything, so um, I'm just going to have to. I've been praying, and maybe we could pray again right now, if that's okay with you guys. All right. So, um, Lord, we just um, are so blessed to be saved, God. We're so glad you created us, Lord, and um, I'm grateful, God, that I have an opportunity to share my testimony, and I pray, Lord, that um, anything that I 
talk about or bring up God would um, minister to somebody, Lord, that would encourage them, uplift them, or that someone might even be drawn to you and get saved because of all the stories that they're sharing on their podcast, Lord. Um, so we just invite you to be with us and, and anoint this time and, and give us um, the words, Lord. We just turn our, our thoughts and our tongues and um, everything over to you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 That just helps me, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to get focused back on why I'm doing this because um, I really think why, you know, who am I to be to, to be telling a story, um, you know, it always blows my mind that I'm even saved or a Christian. So um, it's just, you know, very humbling and also a little bit nerve wracking to think someone's going to hear my story. It's different when I'm one-on-one. -on -one. And I, I told you guys that before. I've told my testimony a bunch of times, but it's never been a planned thing. I've never right. thought, I'm going to go tell somebody this. You know, it's just, you know, a one-on-one -on -one thing or a group thing where all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just kind of you know, moves on my heart to kind of mention something and then you'll kind of see somebody's eyes widen or like you just know they, you're, you can tell the Holy Spirit's kind of sucking you into the situation mm -hmm. and ministering to them and then you reveal a part of your story or even, you know, kind of your whole story in some sort of synopsis, but it was never planned. It was always just like, I'm one-on-one -on -one with this person, I know it's ministering to them. So, um, so I don't really, I mean, I figured maybe I would kind of start with a little bit of um, background from growing up only, yeah. which isn't my most comfortable place, but um, especially with, we've been doing um, the Breaking Free yeah. with Beth Moore series on Tuesday night Bible study. And I just think that it's important um, sometimes, you know, the parts that we don't really want to talk about that we know the Lord has delivered us from. It's like, well, that's in the past, so why bring it up? I'm free of that. But the thing is, is there's still people who, um, are in the thick of things like that, or um, even though they aren't in it anymore, they never actually dealt with it. Right. You know, so I just want to try to be transparent without going into too many details, you know. Yeah. Right. But um, so I was, um, I'll be 40 this year, and um, you guys aren't acting shocked like everybody else. <laughs> no, no, I'm <laughs> just kidding. I'm totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. But um, I told you before, I thought you were like 33. <laughs> I know, I know. I was just teasing you to take, you know, the pressure off myself. But, um, but anyway, so um, I was born in the Bay Area, like a lot of people <laughs> who live you here. You Californians. So. I know, I know. So um, I was I actually in. For us out here. <laughs> I was California. Yeah, it really is. Except that most of us are from. California. I mean, I know. it's yeah. just kind of like when we immigrated to exactly. Nevada, right. you know, hey, born and raised Garnerville right here. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Born and raised. My dad too. Well, yeah. so actually my, I was in my mother's womb when my um, grandparents built out on Foothill and, um, and then, you know, my dad helped build the house and everything and his siblings and all of that. And then, um, we didn't actually move out here until I was three. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, and then I was here from three to 10, which was when my parents had um, gotten divorced. And so then I went back to the Bay Area and I was in the um, Bay Area kind of off and on until I was about 15. And I was also, and then from that point on, or maybe 14, I kind of moved a lot. My parents yeah. moved a lot. Once they got divorced, they moved back and forth. My dad would be either here or the Bay Area. Mm -hmm. And my mom would be either here um, in Gardnerville or in Iowa. So um, if you add up my 40 years, cause I came back here when I was 21 and I actually lived in Vegas for six months too, but I've been here again since I was 21. So when people ask me where I'm from, I say here, yeah. but um, some of my formative years were very much not being raised in Gardnerville. Um, when I was in the Bay area, um, it was a whole completely different perspective. And when I was in, so the Bay area was huge. I was in the right. city. 
Um, and when I was in Iowa, it, my graduating class there was 97 kids. So it was oh, tiny. Wow. Yeah. So I really, you know, those years where I was being formed, it's like I have completely different perspectives. But I always tell people I'm from here when I'm giving the short answer. Much easier, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it's like, well, you know, you take 40 well, years. Well, how long you do you have? <laughs> yeah, I know. Exactly. I know. That's why I'm like a testimony. But, um, <laughs> but anyway, so when I was um, growing up... Um, you know, my parents did a lot of good things. They, you know, they taught me about teamwork. Um, they um, always emphasized getting a good education. They um, always told me, you know, to stick up for um, people who couldn't stick up for themselves and, you know, emphasize that family was super important. Um, but there was also a lot of violence and drugs. And, um, you know, I didn't really realize that was abnormal. Um, I just thought, you know, you do one thing for work during the day and on the weekends or the nights you party and that's normal, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, and obviously now that I, I am almost 40, I can look back and I can realize, you know, parents aren't perfect. They aren't born knowing exactly what they're doing. Um, my parents had their own struggles and stuff that they needed to deal with. Um, and, you know, I mentioned this background cause I think, um, especially with the study we've been doing, um, there are generational things and, you know, we do have those influences. And so, um, sometimes we think, you know, this was the gener this is what I was taught growing up. This is what happened in the generation before me. And therefore this is who I am. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, guess what? I had a lot of good things and I'm glad that's part of who I am, but there were some things that weren't so good. And, um, I actually can choose, you know, not to have those be a part of who I am anymore by the grace of God. And I can also um, impart that to my children so that hopefully it doesn't continue on and on and on. And um, one thing that we did learn um, in one of our sessions was that um, it says that, uh, you know, when you don't um, like honor the Lord with your life, that he can, um, you know, punish for like thousands of generations, but, um, when you do honor or no four generations, but when you do honor the Lord with your life, it, he blesses thousands of generations. So it's like four generations, thousands of generations, but actually like in the Hebrew, the word punishment didn't even mean actually punishment. Like right. you're getting punished for your father's sins. It's just the natural consequence of if you constantly saw alcoholism, chances are there's going to be a lot of alcoholics in the next generation because it's just right. the cons, you know, it's right. just the natural consequence. It's not even like a legit punishment that he did, but it just really, um, gave me a lot of hope. Once again, I know I've been saved for a long time, but it always gives you that hope again of like, when you see some things trickling into your children's lives that it doesn't have to stay that way, yeah. you know, and, and, and even, even for me. But, um, so anyway, so I kind of had this, you know, catch 22 of a really awesome upbringing, you know, going camping, um, having, you know, my dad's family was a really big family. And so, um, you know, just all these great things that we did, um, but also constantly seeing um, a lot of violence, um, a lot of inappropriate um, just sexuality, mm -hmm. um, just, just a lot of really inappropriate things. And so, um, honestly, I realize now that from a very young age, not by my family, by other people, I was um, abused. And um, I don't like to see myself as a victim, so I never acknowledged it. I never acknowledged it until, honestly, I did the Breaking Beat Free oh, wow. um, 
like three or four years ago. Yeah. Um, I just pretty much blocked it out of um, my mentality because, you know, I don't like seeing myself as a victim. I'm a, you know, let's, and I never acted like one. It's like, let's just get this done, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and that's in the past and, and move on. And so I'm actually, um, I still don't see myself that way, but, but realistically, um, I, did a, I did a session called Boundaries, um, it was a Bible study, which is a really good book. I recommend to people, they do several mm-hmm. of them and they're Christian like um, licensed counselors. But I started to realize um, when I did that, um, that a lot of things from my upbringing really continued even after salvation, mm-hmm. which I didn't get saved until I think I was 23. Um, we're still putting, we're, we're affecting my relationships and how I saw myself, mm-hmm. even though I was saved. So, I mean, I just want to encourage anybody out there, those things that, um, you either deny ever happened or you're ashamed of, I mean, know that, um, you know, the blood of Christ has, you know, cleansed you of your sins and, um, but don't just ignore them, right. you know, because it, you know, go ahead and do the hard work of, of accepting reality of, you know, if you were abused, that really happened. And how is that currently affecting the way I see my self-worth? What am I accepting in my life from other people because of that abuse that I think was okay, Mm -hmm. you know, and how do I see my, my self-worth and how do I make excuses for somebody else's sin, um, and let them overstep my boundaries and, you know, things like that Mm -hmm. because of what I experienced and somehow kind of became part of normal when it's really not. And also, um, well, anyway, anyway, so, so then when, so then when my parents, um, got divorced, when I was 10, um, that was, that was really hard for me. Um, what was really strange is in this culture at that time, divorce kind of started becoming a normal thing. Mm -hmm. Um, my dad up until his generation, um, had been raised in Catholicism and he was too, a little bit, you know, it was like when they were teenagers, they all kind of stopped. Mm -hmm. My mom, um, and, and before his generation, there was no divorce. None of that. Like it was all solid, intact family lines. Um, of course, I'm sure there was sin, but it was like not anything that stood out. Like it was normal family. You know, my mom, same thing up until her generation, um, everything seemed really good and normal. Like all, you know, the families functioned and they were all like good members of society, servants, all that kind of thing. Um, but kind of what happened with her is her, I don't know how, but her mother ended up becoming an alcoholic. And so um, my mom had four siblings, mostly, well, actually six from mostly from different fathers. And um, she saw a ton of alcoholism. She went into the foster system, mm-hmm. you know, so that was her background, which, you know, now I'm glad to realize because I held, I had a lot of judgment against her for my upbringing mm-hmm. until I realized like she was doing the best she could, you know, what she saw wasn't was worse yeah. than what I saw, yeah. you know? And then my dad had an awesome upbringing. I mean, his parents were great. I mean, I mean, they did things too, maybe, but his was all, but for some reason he just was very, um, rebellious. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, you know, that's just kind of how that went by the time, you know, I was seeing the best of them and the worst of them growing yeah. up. And so, um, what an awesome thing. Sorry to interrupt. No, you that's okay. Like what a, what, 
I just, I, I really praise you for doing that, for being able to look at how your mom was raised and not hold that against her. Right. Um, it's still a work I, in progress. I feel like, <laughs> like not that many people like take that into consideration. Like you just automatically expect your parent to be, to be perfect and to know it all. And right. it's like, you don't take into consideration how they were brought up and what the Lord has redeemed them from, or, you know, the things that they've, you know, had on their plate. So I just, I think that's awesome that you were able to, right. to go back and look at that and then change your mindset, you know, in different ways and, yes. and grow from that. I think that's awesome. And, and I've really only been powerful. able to do that. Honestly, I have to say it's come up in my mind, but I've only really had it resound with me in the last year. Yeah. There has been a lot of, um, and I'll go into that a little bit more, but, um, you know, I remember now looking back on my life, I know the Lord was always after me. Yeah. He was always there. Um, so it's so hard for me because like I said, I didn't prepare anything. So I'm just, my mind is kind of spinning. Like what should I share? But, um, my birthday is October 31st. It might ring a bell. It's a national holiday, Halloween, um, which, you know, um, a lot of people love and, and that's fine. Um, for me, uh, I thought I loved it, but it really put a stigma on my life. Um, now I know there's powers and principalities. There really is good and evil. Um, but having that be my birthday, um, and always having kind of had older friends and everything, it's like whenever we had a birthday, um, everything was about, oh, you know, a Mindy's a witch and let's get her witches and a Halloween party. And a lot of times once I got older, our, our, um, our costumes and everything were super inappropriate. Like guys, I'm, I'm not even going to go into the details of how inappropriate I was. I was so inappropriate. Let yourself imagine whatever you want because it probably won't be uh, much worse than what it really was. Like just so inappropriate it, and brazenly inappropriate. Didn't think anything about it was inappropriate. Right. And anyone who thought that something was inappropriate was just a judgmental right. um, jerk. You know, right. I, I had no concept mm-hmm. of um, any kind of restraint or purity. Um, none of that, that all sounded like a lack of progress to me. And right. um and judgment. So um, I didn't realize that at the time, but now looking back, I see where the enemy had a strong, had, you know, me convinced on certain things. I think that also happens when you're around certain types of lifestyle, you just automatically right. see that. And, and it's, it, and like I said, it's just so odd because um, I always had such great influences mm-hmm. on certain things. And then like these other really bad influences. So I was always kind of like this weird balance, you know, in my life of who I was. Um, but Anyway, so my birthday um, being Halloween, um, you know, and, you know, horoscopes, like I had six planets in Scorpio and, you know, the ability to have so much power. And so, you know, people would try to influence me that way of, um, you know, kind of not bad, you know, white magic, whatever, you know, and just (laughs) stuff like that. And then, you know, I had people invite me to church. I went to actually a couple of Bible believing churches when I was young with some friends, but I never understood what was going on. Mm -hmm. Um, I kind of liked it, but I was also super confused. And, you know, so um, it was, and I honestly kind of liked, um, I was drawn to people who didn't just, you know, if you cussed, I liked you, you know, that kind of thing, even Mm -hmm. from a young age. So even though I liked it, it was kind of like this, you know, oh, I went and hung out with my nice friend or the good friend or whatever. Mm. Um, and, and those were subtle things. I didn't consciously think about them at a young age, you know? Um, but that now I know that's what I was thinking or feeling. Um, and I even actually went to a Mormon baptism, um, with another friend. So I was exposed to a lot of different things. I remember the first time I thought about God, um, I lived in a house where, um, you know, I don't think the house was haunted. I I honestly think I was extra sensitive to spiritual things, Mm -hmm. you know, powers and principalities when I was younger and I was terrified all the time, had nightmares all the time. 
I knew that I had seen things. I knew they were real. And nobody could tell me I didn't see what I saw. I know what I heard. I know what I saw. And it was something evil, you know. Um, and so I was afraid all the time. So my mom had said to me once, she told me to look out the window. We lived in the foothills at the time. So, you know, it was very beautiful. And I looked up at the mountain. She said, oh, you see that star? She goes, well, that's where heaven is, you know, and God's watching over you. And I said, well, who's God? And she kind of explained it to me. And that was my first concept of there's a God. Mm -hmm. But that's pretty much where it stayed. Yeah. Um, and I remember my dad had such a temper that um, one time I had a nightmare where horns were coming out the side of his head in my dream. And I thought, so somehow I knew there was a devil. Right. Mm -hmm. And I remember he always kissed me goodbye in the morning, which we were still sleeping when he would go to work. And he came and he kissed me goodbye. And I said, dad, are you the devil? And he just looked stunned. And he said, no, honey. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's just like this weird, like yeah. all these good things and all these bad things. And I was constantly confused growing up. Yeah. Like, I mean, my sister to this day is like, how do you not remember that? And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I had a lot of fun, but, and I had a lot of things that I didn't like that were terrifying. And, um, but I just don't remember. I just can't remember like these little simple things, you know, and she, she, she's like, okay. So I really feel like I was just confused a lot. I feel like the yeah. Lord was, I was trying to see big pictures instead of little things. And he was constantly trying to pull me you know, right. to a good side and the enemy was constantly trying to pull me another way. And then you got my flesh in the middle. But, um, anyway, so, um, you know, f my mom has all of her reasons and everybody makes mistakes. Um, and I don't, you know, the situation wasn't good. So I, I understand to some extent, but my mom had, um, decided to have an affair and, and leave my dad. And, um, and if I, it went into all the details of how intense that was and how just absolutely crazy, you know, cops called multiple times, me having, you know, call a cop, you know, telling us, you know, it was, it wasn't any kind of just, it was, it was crazy. So, um, anyway, uh, oddly I had, I mean, I had even went to the person and I wasn't saved at any, you know, and I, and I said, you know, don't you know my mom is married? And all my, by myself, I walked over there by myself. And, you know, I don't know what, what kind of kid was I? Just go confront these grown men. But anyway, and they said, you should be a lawyer and stuff like that. But, it, you know, so anyway, they ended up divorcing. Uh, my dad moved to the Bay Area. My mom stayed with him. And um, I started going back and forth. And then, you know, I got step family. Um, and, you know, when I went to the Bay Area, um, my step family was, um, my stepsister was Hispanic. And even though I don't think I look Hispanic at all, now having been to Mexico and everything else, um, I know that there's plenty of light skinned, dark haired yeah. Hispanics. So in her being, we said we were sisters, yeah. um, you know, uh, people just assumed I was Hispanic. Mm -hmm. And so, um, here we are in the Bay area and very quickly, um, somehow, um, we were constantly being threatened by, um, gang members. And so it was kind of a situation of um, you're either going to be bullied all the time and live in fear or you're going to tell, which who does that and what's anybody going right. to do if you tell? Because where are they when you're getting on the bus right. in the morning? Um, or you're going to be part of this gang life. And so uh, we chose to be part of this gang life. Aww. So... Um, it sounds weird even saying it. People's minds are always blown when it comes up. <laughs> like, what? Like, you? And I'm like, yeah. So um, even though I'm a white girl, um, I was involved in Hispanic gangs during some of those formative years. Um, it didn't, I didn't really completely let the idea of it go until I was about 17. So I'd say from 12 to 17, I kind of identified myself to some extent, um, especially for those couple of years that I really lived there as um, what's known as a Norteña, mm -hmm. which is um, a Northern California um, gang member. And 
Um, you know, some of that really made me feel like I had family, um, made me feel tough, uh, cool, um, and some of it was absolutely terrifying. I, I can't count the amount of times, and, and they really don't, they didn't, I mean, certain certain boyfriends, you know, really uh, would have like a very protective, you know, they really care about you. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, the, uh, women are very disrespected yeah. mm -hmm. um, in gang mentalities. And um, so um, what I thought was super fun and really loved, now I can look back in retrospect and go, wow, I was 13 and my boyfriend was 23. Yeah. Um, it's not normal. Yeah. And my kids, you know, I don't tell them that. Now my oldest daughter knows, um, who's almost 20. But, you know, I'm so, um, I'm very, when you live a lifestyle like that and then you get saved later on, uh, you're very conscious of uh, how things should be for your children. And you're, you have an extra sensitivity when they even show a little bit that they might go the way you had went. Because they don't have, they think you just don't know anything. Mm -hmm. They don't have a clue that you did everything the wrong way. Um, and bless my parents' hearts, as much as they loved me and tried to teach me the right thing, they were dealing with so much of their own problems that, um, and plus, I mean, you know, you're, you're talking about gang members who carry guns. Yeah. It's kind of hard for parents to confront that without fearing for their own lives, mm -hmm. especially when the people are saying, you know, they love you and they have your back. I don't know. It's bizarre now, honestly, when I talk <laughs> about it, I'm just like, yeah, that, that was really a phase of my life. But I will say I'm a youth counselor at, um, at a detention facility now. And obviously that gives me a very unique oh, perspective. Yeah. Yeah. And so God does end up using all things for good. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. I highly recommend, um, just doing it, if you get to get saved and be raised in the Lord from a young age, just do it the way God says. Not because he's, um, you know, stifling us and, and, it's no, and we shouldn't have any fun. It's because he designed us and he knows what's good for us. And so um, if we could just do it that way, <laughs> yeah. it, our testimony isn't any less valuable. Salvation is salvation. Yeah. Um, you know, unfortunately, that's not the way I did it, though. And, and, I'm, and praise God, he uses all of those things. Not all the time. It's not like I go around talking about this. Right. But when the timing is right, he uses it to minister. Yeah. So it's worth it. I feel like God right now is like, yes, please, if you could do it just the first time, I'd really appreciate it. Yes. <laughs> Saves me a lot of work. Yeah, and yeah. grief. And grief. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because yeah. it's not, yeah, and grief. Because, yeah, it's not like he wanted you to go through that, but he like you said, he always uses it for good. Right. If we let him, yeah, you know, we exactly. have to, we, we, if we allow him to, he will use every bit of everything we've been through for good. Yeah. You know? Um, but anyway, so at the same time that I'm doing that, um, you know, all of a sudden I'd come back here to Gardnerville for six months and, um, you know, I, I, a random childhood friend, I, I go and, um, with her to some Bible study, wasn't listening. It was an adult Bible study, but the kids kind of like hung out. Mm -hmm. and I think I was around 11. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had forgotten about this until I don't even know when, um, but it was after salvation. And I remember someone out of nowhere just said, I think the Lord wants us to pray for that girl. And they all turned and raised hands towards me and prayed for me. I don't even know what they said. I had no clue. I, I had no church culture. Um, you know, I appreciated it. It didn't scare me or, or anything. I thought it was cool, but it was like, once I left, I forgot about it, you know? Right. So who knows what they prayed or what those prayers did in the long run. Um, I remember that particular friend of mine used to get frustrated with me because once in a while she'd say something about praying and I was so mixed up that I would think that like if you prayed to find a penny on the ground, God would give you the penny. Oh, yeah. But if you prayed for something big, he wouldn't give it to you. Mm 
Hmm. You know, and she'd be like, no, 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 that's the opposite. <laughs> it's the opposite. It's not that cut. You know, she would try yeah. to, but I just, I didn't understand. So, um, and plus, you know, there, by that time of my life, I was really drawn to all the inappropriate things. I liked those right. things. That was fun. You know, why would you, why, why would you do anything not fun? Let's party, you know, let's go have some wild craziness. Like, I mean, it's almost like an addiction. You get used to that level of adrenaline yeah. and, mm-hmm. and fun and, um, but, you know, so my mom at the time ends up moving to Iowa. Um, so I'm in the Bay Area. She goes to Iowa. Um, back up a little bit. My mom is a, a very loving, supportive person, a, a servant like you wouldn't believe. And, um, you know, where she lacked in discipline or, or what have you, she, I always knew that she loved me and cared yeah. about me. So one when my mom, she actually had come to California for a while and tried to work it out with my dad and decided it wasn't going to work. And one day I came home from school um, when I was in the Bay Area and she um, said, and by the way, when I lived in the Bay Area, I lived in like 10 different cities. I mean, you're talking about moving a lot. And she said, um, you know, it's not going to work. I'm going back to Gardnerville. And I would cry every night and I would sleep with her flannel um, and just wish to see her. Sorry, it, it chokes me up still sometimes, but... But anyway, so it was, it, it was my first heartbreak. Remember in our reading how she talked about, and honestly, I think that was the first time I was ever heartbroken in my life. I just missed her so bad. And I was, um, you know, living with family who always loved me and blessed their heart were, were helping us. But, um, the mom in that household who was family to me and still is, um, was honestly a little more like me, like way less tender, (laughs) but I wasn't used to that. And I was going through such a hard time missing my mom and my dad's falling in love with someone else. And, um, and so anyway, I mean, it was just heartbreaking for me. And then she ends up moving to Iowa. Uh, she falls in love with somebody else and gets married. So, um, I'm kind of going back and, and, and forth in this situation. I'm getting really depressed because, We've moved once again to another city. I'm confused all the time. I'm like, where am I even going to school? Who, who's my family? What's going on? I would have to take the public bus to a school where when I got there, there's all this violence, all this gang stuff. I can't remember um, all this, you know, constant like um, being inundated with um, sexual things um, and thinking that if you're not that way, you're somehow behind. Um, and I had seen that stuff growing up anyway. I mean, it was just part of our curse at that time. You're talking the 80s when it's like um, Madonna and Playboy and just everything like that is coming into the scene where it's like you're constantly inundated with um, women or sexual beings and that's pretty much the most important thing you can do. And if you're not sexy, then um, you're not good enough. You know, you're not fun. You're not going to have a, a good life. You know, those were the kinds of things I was constantly being inundated with. And, um, anyway, so, um, there was a situation where, um, I was constantly, um, concerned about being jumped. Um, and I was fearful of it. And, um, you know, we had, I mean, at this point with gang life, I mean, we had done things like that. Those things had already occurred, but for some reason I was feeling more isolated, more like I wasn't pretty enough. Um, I had nobody, uh, you know, my dad was at work all the time. Um, um, you know, I don't even know how to get, I can't remember what's my first period. What's my third period. Um, I, I was completely overwhelmed. It's your first year of middle school when you're already kind of get trying to get used to that. So, um, on my 13th birthday, um, I woke up in the morning and I was just like, 
um, I, I didn't think it through at the time. Now I can see in retrospect. And I was just like, this um, sucks. You know, I don't want to go to school because they did that there. They jumped you on your birthday for some reason. Mm. So that's what I have to look forward to today. Nobody said happy birthday to me. Oh, you know, my mom's not here. Um, and, you know, obviously these are first world problems to some extent. The enemy will use whatever he uses. I know I had it better than a lot of people at that time, but this was my mind frame. This is what the enemy was obviously doing with me. So I stayed home from school and swallowed everything in the cabinet that I could find um, in the bathroom cabinet. And um, I know I was hoping to die. And I thought I would just, what I thought, because I didn't know, I mean, also I didn't want to die. I mean, now I know in retrospect and with a lot of counseling and studying, if people really want to die, they find a way that does it instantly. It was more a cry for help. But part of me just thought, okay, I'm going to swallow all this stuff. An hour later, I'll pass out and I won't remember any of this and I won't care anymore. Um, of course, everything I swallowed wasn't lethal. It could have been, I mean, it could have, it could have killed. I mean, anything, anytime you take something in excess, I mean, it was a bunch of like Tylenol, like a whole bottle. Um, to this day, I can't swallow pills without gagging. (laughs) And then I took a whole bottle of something else. I honestly don't remember, but, um, but anyway, so, and then, I mean, there's the strangest thing, like a step uh, an uncle, like a step uncle ended up showing up and I know God delivered me from whatever he was oh, going to yeah. do to me that day. Cause I wasn't supposed to be home and he was acting really weird. But now I know God just kept that whatever was going to happen, didn't happen. But here I had taken all these pills. I didn't tell him. Um, and you know, four hours later, I still wasn't dead or maybe more. I don't know how many hours it was. I was, I was not quite thinking right, you know, obviously to even take those pills, but also because I had taken them. So, and I was throwing up, um, and off and on. And I, and I started to realize I was thinking I did take something that's going to kill me. And now I'm scared. Like now that this many hours have passed, I realize I don't actually want to die, especially if it's going to be slow like this. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, I don't know who I called. I don't know if my mom ended up calling, but somehow my dad ended up knowing what I had done. And, um, I don't know if I called and told him because I was scared or what. And so he came and picked me up and, um, you guys, I'm only going to mention this because I want, I want to make it clear that there really is powers and principalities in this world. Mm The strangest thing, when he was driving me to the hospital at the time, I had a different boyfriend that was also much older than me. And I couldn't see him very often because of that, you know. And I hadn't seen him in and I don't know how long. And when my dad was driving me to the hospital, we lived in completely different cities. Somehow we stopped at the same stoplight as this guy. Oh, wow. And he looked over and waved at me and was like looking at me like, what's wrong with her, you know? Yeah. And... Um, and I don't think they were predators. I think these were young men who were just as confused and who really thought they were in love with women that were younger. You know, um, I don't think they were predators, but obviously I'm sure by now they've realized how ridiculous that was. Um, but anyway, um, it was weird. Like, I don't know why God let that happen and I'll never know or why the enemy let it happen. But it was just one of those strange things where I'm like, what is going on? Like, I feel, you know, we're this, there are more dimensions going on than what we see. And we have to be spiritually in tune in order to, and mostly if you stay on track being in the word and in prayer, you're going to be fine. You don't have to worry about all the rest of it. The battle will be won. But um, anyway, so I stayed in the hospital for a month. Um, I got counseling. Um, I don't know in the long run how it helped me, but I want to throw that out there because I want people to understand that, you know, suicide is a real thing and people who don't want to die sometimes accidentally kill themselves, mm-hmm. you know, or purposely, but it's like they didn't really want to die. It didn't have to go there. Um, you know, 
pay attention to what people are doing and, and, and speak into their lives and minister to them. And don't just roll your eyes and go, oh, they're just being so selfish or, you know, a pain in the butt. Because, um, you know, even when they are, they really could get a hold of something. And are you going to be like, oh, well, I could have actually done something to help stop this, you know? And also just the judgment that a lot of people get for ever having suicidal thoughts, like that doesn't help, you know, um, you can still be used of the Lord. Granted, I didn't get saved for another 10 years, which, you know, and I was still young, but that is a part of my history. Cause there are times where I'm sitting with people and they're very judgmental about anyone, you know, who acts, who talks about being suicidal or something like that. And it's like, no, of course I don't like it. And I'm very strong depending right. on the person. Some people you need to be firm with some, you have to be really gentle with when it comes up. Um, you know, and I personally, um, don't think it's like, if you've committed suicide, you're going to go straight to hell. I think that's like saying, if I'm driving the last thing I do is flip someone off and get in a car accident, I'm going to hell. No, I was already saved, you know, that kind of thing. I'm not saying that that's what everybody believes. That's just my personal opinion. But what I do think is the devil will torment and that's, and it is sin. God doesn't want us living that way. He wants us to press into the word and have victory over those things that would tell us to give up, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if just because you've had those thoughts, don't let him get a stronghold that tells you, yeah, keep thinking those thoughts and don't tell anybody. Um, no, tell somebody and get help and, and battle it in the word. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so um, then it's like, by the time I moved back to Gardnerville, there actually was gang activity here. A lot of people had moved from California at that point. So we just kind of find that niche. But what, it's like, it was interesting though, because um, it was more of a like hip hop type thing. It's like, none of us really have any territory to defend. None of us really are in this lifestyle anymore. So eventually you kind of realize like, I, why am I doing this anymore? Yeah. This is just a waste of my time. But, um, so there was this weird situation where, um, I feel that, you know, my high school years were pretty good. I did, I did keep getting in fights for a while. I mean, I did have my first day of school at Douglas high ninth grade year, six girls who, um, you know, claimed blue come up and want to jump me. And, um, it didn't end up happening, but I ended up fighting some of them individually off and on. And I remember at that time praying, I would pray every night and I would pray in Jesus name because, um, my aunt had told me that's how you're supposed to pray. You know, just another random thing. I can't right. go into all the different situations. Yeah. You know how life is. But, um, but I knew to pray that way. And I would say, Lord, I hope I don't get in a fight tomorrow. But if I do, let me win. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's so weird. And honestly, I, got, I didn't get in very many fights. And, and when I did, I won. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but now I'm like, obviously, that's not the way to live. It, it was a hard way of figuring out how to solve conflicts when I turned 18. Because it's right. like you don't solve conflicts by fighting or calling people names. Right. And it was just this really weird catch 22 because I would get suspended for these things. Um, and my teachers would be like, you're my best student. How are you getting suspended? Cause I loved school. I loved academics. So it's like, okay. In the class they're like, well, Mindy can't be suspended. Who's gonna like be all excited about what we're teaching, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. So, um, and, and at that point, um, my sister and I, who's not even a year younger than me, we were living with my dad. So I basically had become the woman of the house at about 15. So I'm, and we lived in a very large home. So I'm cooking and I'm cleaning and I'm going to school all day and I'm getting basically A's. (laughs) And um, I'm doing and selling drugs. I mean, it's just bizarre when I look back on it. It's like I had this double life and I didn't even try to. I never hit it. I never acted Mm -hmm. like I, I considered myself a bad girl. 
you know, I didn't realize, now I get it, like, you know, on a lot of fronts, I looked like a really good girl, you know? Mm. Um, and I, at that time I did establish a lot of really good friends and, um, you know, we partied a lot and, um, I didn't think that there was anything wrong with drugs. They were fun. Um, praise God. I'm not, a, I don't think I'm an addictive personality because I never got addicted. I would just party. And then the rest of the time I'd be fine. Um, this is drugs weren't quite as strong at that time, but it was kind of when, um, at that time they called it crank. Now it's meth was very popular and I liked it. It helped me stay awake. Uh, it kept me thin, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, now I realize I almost feel like drugs themselves are, are a demon or something. Um, but anyway, so that was kind of like lifestyle I was going through. And I ended up, I would run away a lot. I ran away from home a lot. Um, even from the time I was 13 and, um, and then I'd come home and, and, and at this point my dad was so, um, he was single, um, he just wanted us girls to do well. We were also being taught super hard work. Our families owned businesses. We worked for those businesses, you know, and he just wanted us to, um, he just would a lot of times not tell me what to do at all. He'd let me do whatever I wanted. Um, he appreciated that I cooked and cleaned. He, he just kind of gave up. He, he wouldn't discipline us. Um, he, if we were going to have parties at the house, at least he knew where we were. Nobody could leave and drive, um, that kind of thing. But then sometimes, you know, he's, over the years, his temper got better and better, but sometimes he would rage. And so he would completely flip out. And because of course we were out of control, mm -hmm. but you know, obviously, you know, consistently disciplining and being a good example to your children is better than like, do whatever you want and then freak out, you know, and I'm not judging him for that. I completely understand it. But, um, I ended up, um, being on probation and, you know, now, and it was only for six months, which obviously should have been longer, but I, I got away with a lot of things, but it ended up being a really good thing for me. They took me, um, on wilderness trips. Not that I hadn't ever been on anything fun like that, but it was just a different environment. And like, they would, you know, counsel me. I, I was, it was court mandated counseling and they would drug test me. So it was like, well, you can't be doing drugs. And, you know, so this was the first time where someone told me, if you get in a fight, we're going to lock you up. And I started realizing it's not worth being locked up. I had, I had only gotten locked up for like three days, but it was enough to know. And that was back when, like, when you were locked up, even as a juvenile, you had to shower in front of everybody. And, um, it was just like, I don't want to be here. <laughs> um, and, um, so anyways, you know, he set certain, my probation officer set certain standards for me. He's actually not a probation officer anymore. He's a um, counselor now. He just, you know, and which is really his forte, but, um, but you know, I couldn't get in fights. I had to have straight A's. And so I did it. And, and I really feel like, you know, that was a good thing for me because I had to answer to somebody and my parents just weren't in a position anymore to make me do things because I would run away. And they were so afraid when I was gone, they'd rather have me there and at least know where I was. And, um, you know, this tattoo, I don't talk about it. I hate it, but um, originally was a boyfriend's name. I tattooed on me when I was 16. You know, I was just that girl that was wild. And he was actually a really nice guy, but, um, you know, you shouldn't be, first of all, that in that kind of relationship when you're 16, but on top of it, putting their names on your body, <laughs> you know, um, I remember when I showed it to my dad, he was just relieved. I wasn't pregnant. Um, <laughs> you know, he was like, didn't punish me because he, he had always told me, don't get a tattoo. Don't get a tattoo because just a long story. And so I was so afraid to show him. And then he was just like, he didn't punish me because he was just so relieved. I mean, my stepsister had her first child at 14, mm -hmm. you know? So, I mean, these are real fears and real concerns. Mm -hmm. My, my parents didn't want to discipline me because they were afraid I was going to run away and, and start having children and, you know, stay in the drug life and the gang life. And, um, so anyway, um, 
I ended up, um, I don't know, I, I don't think I was saved when I was praying, but I was praying in Jesus' name. So I don't know. It's really confusing to me because I'm like, I don't know if I really believed or if I was just saying something to comfort myself in, in a way that somebody had told me to do right. it, mm -hmm. like a ritual. But um, I did know that there was a something bigger than me. And, um, and that did give me comfort and help to keep me on track. And I think he really did answer my prayers because he knew I, I was getting older and realizing my life is kind of crazy, you know? Um, it was really crazy, you know? And I mean, I'm skipping so many things. And it's like, um, so then when I would live in Iowa, this tiny farm town, mm. and, it, and over time it was like this, they don't even understand the gang thing. I mean, we did live next to a big city, so there were gang members there. And of course we got involved with that too, but they were um, black gangs, not Hispanic oh, yeah. gangs. And that was all scary too. And seemed fun, but and realistically we're lucky we survived. Um, and, but it was like this cool, like small town farm area. And so I got yeah. that whole unique perspective too. And to this day, my closest friends live there, my absolute wow. best friend. And I never knew that this was going to be the situation, but my best friend, um, you know, you don't realize what God is giving you and he gives it to you. And I, I knew she was a good friend, but later on when I did get saved, um, I ended up leading to her salvation over the phone. Wow. I mean, and we're just so alike in our thinking, which you don't have to be alike in your thinking with people, but it's, right. it is a blessing when you have that one friendship where it's like, there, there isn't a whole lot of issues. Like we just get to pray together, serve together. Yeah. We know everything about each other's background. It's just that intimacy of, and she has really no family. So for her, it's a huge blessing. Like I'm her sister, our kids are cousins and we love the Lord. And, you know, um, her, her mother had actually committed suicide, which was devastating. And, and that's when I had gotten saved and I was able to, you know, she's like, well, it sounds so cool, you know? Cause I'm like, yeah, I go to church now. Like what's going on? Mm. And she's like, oh, that sounds so cool. You know? And I said, well, you can do it too, yeah. you know? And oh, here we are awesome. 2000 miles apart and she got saved. But, um, anyway, so, I ended up meeting my first husband in Iowa and um, he really loved me. And it was one of, you know, those first times where I knew somebody really cherished me and, and cared about me. And um, we were really in love and, and we ended up, I, we lived together my senior year and he moved here um, with me. And um, then we moved back to Iowa. We both had family there and here in Nevada, weirdly. <laughs> and, um, and as soon as I graduated high school, we got our own place. Um, and it was a four bedroom house for 400 bucks a month. I mean, oh, that's the Midwest <laughs> 20 years ago, right? I know. So, um, and uh, shortly after that, we had actually been together a couple of years and by the grace of God, I hadn't gotten pregnant, but um, then I got pregnant. So it's like, okay, I'm out of high school. And I, we were really shocked and scared. He was way more shocked and scared than me. Um, and, uh, you know, the whole, you know, all the options of pregnancy came up right. and, um, I just, you know, I actually kind of thought, well, any of them seem fine, but then I just, it didn't resound with me. I'm like, you know, I can't do it. And you guys, I totally skipped something important. Okay. So when I was 17, the F word was my favorite word. I said it in between words. You know, I was just that girl. I'm telling you guys, like I had no clue how inappropriate I was. And a lot of people love that. You know, a lot of people loved that. I was fun. I was still caring and, and intelligent, but, um, you know, I just was a party girl and better not mess with my friends. And 
And this one friend of mine who I had been to school with, his name was Steve, and I was always that way. And one day it comes up that his mom's a pastor. And somehow I knew that a pastor had to do with church. And I just was like, oh my gosh, I am so sorry that I'm cussing around you. And I talk about all these inappropriate things. And he just laughed and he didn't care. Um, And I don't believe that he walks with the Lord now. So, I mean, he really didn't care. Um, And he liked it, you know, but he was like, and I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. So, you know, I always wanted to get baptized because I don't want to go to hell. And he's like, oh, you can get baptized. I'm like, no, I can't. You know, this, I've done this, I've done that, I've done this, and there's no way I could get baptized. He's like, yes, you can. He's like, why don't you just talk to my mom? And I, because I really thought if baptism was what keeps you from going to hell, I didn't yeah. understand what salvation is. So, I mean, you guys, this is what I'm saying. There is powers and principalities. I can look back now and know that something spiritual is going on. But at the time, you know, I was happy with my life. I, I mean, I looked good. I had tons of friends. I was doing well in school. I had a great job. Um, I had no desire for anything else that I thought of at the moment. And, um, and he was like, okay, well, you can talk to my mom. So I told his mom the same thing. You know, I've done all this stuff and everything I'd say, I kept expecting her to just be like her draw, her jaw drop open and be like, don't talk to my son. Um, and she didn't. And, and also let me just say, he was kind of a nerd at the time. So a lot of people wouldn't give him, you know, he didn't have a lot of self-esteem. And so for a girl like me to like him and befriend him, they were grateful. Now I know this, his parents were so glad because his confidence went through the roof at the time. I would go to plays with him, you know, so it's like you're partying and doing all this other stuff one day, but then I'm going and, you know, watching Little Shops of Horrors with him because he's, he actually ended up graduating and he still teaches and he's in acting. And um, so anyway, you know, they were just, I think she was just thinking, yeah, this, you know, this girl's story. Now I know any mom is going, Oh, my heartbreak, you know, for what she's been through. And she said, yes, you can, you know, get baptized. So I would go to church on some Sunday mornings. Um, it was a very kind of old school read out of the hymn books and I kind of liked it. Um, I felt more like I was checking a box. Oh, okay. Now I'm going to church. And I did go for a while. It was really hard for me because I'm not a morning person and it was super early service and I didn't understand the hymns or what was being said, but I did know I kind of liked it. And, um, but I was still doing anything I wanted as soon as I left and I didn't understand really anything I was hearing. And, um, and so then she, and, 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 and she was a woman pastor, which is a whole other thing. I don't, I don't even want to go into, but you know, in retrospect, it's like, that's who baptized me and taught me everything. I was also in a creative writing English class at the time. I wrote an entire story about a kid named Christian, like the symbolism. I don't even remember the story. I just remember that both my English teacher and this um, pastor were blown away by it. And it was about how he was trying to get baptized. And this, I started writing it before it happened. Like, it's just crazy before I knew I was going to get baptized. Um, and, and that how the devil was doing everything he could to stop it. And I mean, it was very in detail and, and, you know, I used to love to write, so, um, I just don't have time for it anymore. But, um, anyway, so it's like, obviously the Lord was all over me all this time, trying constantly to draw me and show me the truth. And, um, he never left me, you know, um, which kind of makes me sad too, that he had to see everything I did, but he's God. So, um, anyway, when I got baptized, I just had a, uh, my Steve and Jessica, two of my best friends were there and my mom did end up coming, but, um, long story short, she had been adopted at one point and been in that church. And it, so she was shaking, like for her to be there, I also think it was the Lord, you know, trying to get her to come to salvation too at the time. Um, and, and also my mom and I had become best friends at that point. I partied with my mom all the time, which I thought was great. My friends thought was great. Um, 
in some ways it kind of, I mean, obviously now I know it was inappropriate, but I, I mean, it was great. You know, we were best friends and um, she, you know, so it was really weird to me that she was having so much anxiety about being in the church because I didn't get the whole big picture. It's like, big deal, we're here at church. So um, anyway, uh, it was just the, the three of them and then um, the lady who baptized me, which she actually, and, and, and you know, now I know that's not how baptism's supposed to be. She honored my choice though, because I told her I can't go in front of the whole church. And they did just the um, head, water on the head. Yeah. And um, so what I think happened then is that I may have gotten saved then because what she said when I got baptized was the prayer of salvation. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't know that. She didn't call it that. But in retrospect, I know I said it. And I feel like from that point on, I had from 17 to 23 when I really surrendered my life to the Lord. I don't know if I got saved or I just almost got saved. Like, I honestly have no idea. But um, there was many times, it's like, um, you know, I was always still drawn between those two worlds of, of partying and, and then I have a child and I'm, I'm not married, you know, but I've been with her dad. We're in love. We've been together, you know, at least two, three years, but at that point, and, um, I have a child and I start realizing that, um, some of the things we do are not good, you know, when she's little, she doesn't know the difference. But as she's getting older, I start to realize, like, she copies the words we say. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if we go out and party, we're inaccessible for that night. Right. You know, so if something happens to her. And so I start kind of wanting to be, and I was also going, I had gone to college and everything at this time. Like, it was just, you know, all these weird worlds that I'm in. And, um, and we decided to move to Vegas, which is where my husband was from. And um, my first husband. And, um, I'm starting to realize like, we really need to get our lives together. We need to be mature adults. We should be married. Lo and behold, Mormons came to my door and told me we should be, we should be married. (laughs) So then I actually went with somebody to a Mormon church like three times. And I thought kind of like the Marines are like the highest in the military. You know, if I'm going to do this Christian thing, I should be a Mormon, you know, because you know, Mormons are like the Marines of Christianity. So this is what I'm thinking, you know, it was, I mean, you guys, I don't even know all the ways that these weave together, but, um, so, uh, my, my husband at the time, he actually wasn't my husband yet, but, um, that freaked him out, you know? So we had, you know, he, we had done like, uh, recreational drugs. Well, I didn't want to anymore. And uh, so what happened with him is he started doing it behind my back. And um, I didn't know this, but he actually was an, he became an addict. Um, And I just left. I'm going to skip all the details. I just left and came back up here to Gardnerville and brought my daughter with me. He decided he wanted to come with me and let that lifestyle go. And and the women that he had decided to have at the time too, which was an absolute heartbreak for me. Um, So he came up here, we started over up here and we were doing awesome. We bought a house at a very young age. He was an electrician and um, our daughter was doing really well and we were super happy and um, we liked our jobs and I was going to school still. Um, But him cheating on me had completely destroyed my self-worth, which it seems so weird to say that when we weren't even married, but we acted like we were married. We had a kid. We we got married in the meantime, okay? Um, but I never got over feeling, uh, rejected and like I, like I wasn't good enough. Um, so I made some very bad choices and basically we just cheated on each other over and over and over again. And I didn't see anything wrong with it. I didn't repent. 
I didn't care. I thought he got what he deserved. You know, um, look what he did to me. Um, and this is another reason why I think I may have already been saved at 17 and I just hadn't surrendered my life to the Lord or understood what he had given to me or he was still trying to woo me. But when he finally found out that I was cheating on him, which I felt like was revenge or something like the craziness that the enemy gets in our head and our flesh gets in our head all brings more pain and devastation. But we somehow will think that it's not, that we're having fun, um, that it's okay. And um, there was a night where I, I, I feel like I repented and I didn't even care. So why was I repenting? And I just, I, it, either I was saved or the Lord was just on me trying to get me to be. And I said, I'm never going to cheat on him again. And, um, and physically I never did cheat on him again. And, and we had a good couple of years. We had another child. It was a boy. So we were so happy. I owned a daycare. I stayed home in my home. I had a very successful daycare and, um, and was, so I could be with my kids and teach, you know, them and everything. At that time, uh, my oldest started going to Awana's with a neighbor so um, that was interesting, you know, just the way the Lord works in all these avenues, how it comes to you. And um, uh, my, my husband ended up going to work for um, just a guy instead of like his normal company. And that guy was a journeyman electrician and he would do a bump in the morning of um, meth. And so, you know, just so they could have energy. And... Um, once again, uh, my husband got addicted and this time it was full blown addiction. He never got off drugs again. Um, he wasn't bringing home his paycheck properly. So I knew we were going to lose the house. So, um, and I couldn't have a daycare where I knew that someone might come while the kids were still there and be using drugs. So part of it was that responsibleness and part of it was just to that, you know, I could have a better life. And so, you know, forget him. And, um, I didn't ever physically cheat on him again, but you know, we separated, we sold the house um, for a profit and um, I wanted to reconcile with him. I told him if you get off drugs um, and you work again steadily, we can reconcile. And so we went back and forth for a couple of years. By the time we ended up fully breaking up, it had been about eight years. Um, but it never worked out. For one thing, even though I had, I, I, you know, it was really weird because at first, when I said I'd never cheat on him again, I didn't really think that was true. I, even when I married him, I figured we'd get divorced. I had seen some very wrong examples of what marriage and relationships are. So, um, and cheating was normal. So um, I didn't think that would actually happen. Now, in retrospect, I think that the Lord actually was moving on my life at that time and showing me what you're doing is destroying yourself. Right. You know, you think that this is what your identity is in or gives you worth or some man loving you or whatever, but it's not, it's me. Um, but I had no idea. And so, um, I moved in with my dad and I was going to school full time and I was working, um, as a waitress and bartender at hand dogs full time. And I was raising my kids and I was dating, although I wasn't physical with anyone, um, which was strange to me. And then, um, Joel Osteen of all people, you know, I stayed up really late at night doing homework when my kids were asleep after I'd get off my shifts at the restaurant. And, um, he was always preaching, you know, late, late at night and I would see it. And, um, you know, now that I've been saved a long time, whatever, there's all sorts of things that may or may not be the best in certain ministries, but he did say the prayer of salvation over and over and over. And I said it and I meant it and I knew I meant it. And I, and what I said was, um, Lord, I don't know who God really is. I think it's Jesus. I think this is the real thing because it just seems all these confirmations and affirmations and it resounds with me and I see real victory in life and abundant life in this. 
So um, I just want to be with whoever's right. I'm so tired of this meaningless life. And I'm by myself in my bedroom, you know, and I got, and I got saved. You know, that's when my life was surrendered to Christ. And I, had, I didn't even really know what I had done. Yeah. I didn't even know what I'd done. So here I'd go to work every day. Um, and in the meantime, someone who had worked at Ham Dogs came back. He had moved to Hawaii and come back. Well, um, his, his parents, uh, his dad is an associate pastor here. He had gotten saved while he was in Hawaii. He had rejected the faith that he was raised in, you know, because his parents had gotten saved right before he was born. So um, here he's a cook in the kitchen, Christian, and I'm, you know, bartending, waitressing out on the floor, Christian, you know, and um, I was still very uh, brazen, you know, and it's like I knew I was saved, but I was still doing a lot of things that weren't, I wasn't going to church. I had no intention of ever going to church, um, but I, and I didn't really know the term saved. And um, so, but I knew everything was different. Like I was no longer comfortable at parties. When I dated, I would not, I wouldn't be physical with them at all. And I, and I didn't cuss anymore and I wasn't trying not to. It took me a while to realize this, these changes had occurred. Well, then he started playing Christian music in the kitchen. And so it's like we would talk about the Bible or whatever. And he kept trying to get me to go to church. And I actually worked, I worked all nights, but I worked on Sunday mornings. And um, so I was still partying and stuff like that, but there were certain new boundaries I had never had before. And, um, and then they'd come in, you know, on Sunday mornings after church. And it was this church. It was Valley Christian Fellowship. They were in the theater at the time next door to Ham Dogs. Mm -hmm. So I would be waitressing in the morning. And back in those days, it's like I'd stay up all night partying and then go to work in the morning without right. sleeping. And, um, you know, because on, on that particular night, my kids stayed the night with, a, um, with their caregiver. I'd been blessed by a really good nanny who I paid a lot of money for, you know. So it's just like, yeah, I have two kids. But, you know, on certain nights, they just stayed with the nanny. And... Um, Anyway, so they would come in and I would start hearing them kind of say stuff about the Lord. And I would notice I was drawn to that. I wanted to hear about mm -hmm. the Lord too. And they were talking about my God, you know, and it's like so weird that I was like, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that was awesome. it was awesome. And, and little did I know, um, you know, they had seen me and prayed for me, you know, um, they, somehow they knew something about me. Um, I remember one time I was bored on shift. It was a slow night and I had just walked into the church and was like, do you guys have a Bible? And I would read the Bible at the bar. Right. It was a very interesting conflict. I mean, the, my bosses didn't s super care for that either. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, so it was like, okay. And it was a conflict for me because how am I making money? By giving people more drinks and looking a certain way. Because right. then they tip me a lot more. And um, I remember one time I came in and um, my coworker, he would notice I was different at different times. And like I listened to certain types of music and it was fun. And I'm, I'm not saying secular music is bad or anything like that, but I think it does heavily influence the way we behave. And he'd go, why are you acting like this? And then like, you know, one day, I, you know, I don't know how it came up, but it was like, it was the music I was listening to before I would come into work was giving me these kind of like prideful or promiscuous attitudes. And um, so he, so like that night after work, um, He's like, bring your CDs in here. Let's snap them all in half. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and we did. We snapped them all in half. And the next day he felt so bad. He's like, I can't believe I did that. And I'm like, I'm okay with it. I'm glad you did it. Because it was that symbolic, like, I need to be realistic. What I put into my heart and my mind actually affects who I am. You know, that, this is an everyday battle, saved or not. If I dwell on this stuff, 
I mean, even this week, I've had, when I work out, I listen to secular music usually because of the certain types of beats and stuff like right. that. And I change a lot of the words or I pick stuff that's been filtered, but I have to be even careful about that mm-hmm. because it really does influence the way I'm behaving, you mm-hmm. know? And, and so anyway, they started having a Saturday night service. And cause of course I'm not going to church on Sunday. Like I work on Sunday. That's my biggest money day. And, um, as far as food tips went. So, um, and they really needed me and whatever. So it was never going to happen. Well, they start having a Saturday night service and he's like, will you just come? I'm like, oh gosh, I'll go once, you know, I'll go once and get you off my back because I don't need to be in this weird, you know, judgy place. I, you know, I know what I've been, you know, I've been reading the word. I have some Christian friends at that point. Um, but I did, you know, now in retrospect, I realized how lonely I was because obviously me and my mom being best friends, as soon as I got saved and I wasn't like that anymore, it was a problem between us. It was a huge problem between us. All my best friends, they said it wasn't a problem, but obviously when I'm like, hey guys, keep your clothes on when we go out, they're like, you know, what's wrong with her? She was the life of the party. Now she's like weird, (laughs) you know? And I didn't know what was wrong wrong with me either. Um, That reminds me of the Beth and one of the last videos that she just did about how like, if you're going to truly break free, you have to have courage because everybody that you're hanging out with is gonna, you know, judge you and say you're holier than thou or, you know, whatever, like, who are you? What do you think you're doing? Right. Like you have to have that courage to break free from that life. Yeah. Well, and it was really interesting because all of my friends still loved and supported me. And even my mom did. She was happy about me getting saved, but they were all just weirded out by how different I was. We couldn't relate at the same level anymore because I had no joy in those things anymore. They weren't fun for me anymore. Even when they were fun for a little bit, I felt guilty about them after because I knew something was on me, you know? And, you know, even that was the last time I did drugs, too. I, after I was saved, um, I, I ended up at a party where they were doing coke, and the guy offered it to me, and big deal. I've never been an addict, you know. But here, my ex-husband is in and out of jail now, in and out of prison being an addict. And I'm still seeing him off and on when he's out. You know, it was just wild. And, um, and I, I remember doing that coke and thinking, as soon as I had um, snorted it, this is before I went to church or anything, but I was already saved. It was the first time I realized, like, I instantly felt like a demon was, had entered me is how it felt to me. Either it was influencing me, I I couldn't have taken occupancy occupancy because I was saved, but it was definitely a demonic influence. I tried spitting it out right away. It doesn't work. You know, I had to ride the course and I was like, I'm never doing it again. And I had some temptations certain times, especially because, like I said, I was never an addict. It was just for fun. So, hey, why not cut loose this weekend? But I never did do it again. And praise God, because he knew what he was going to use my life for, you know? And, oh yeah, I did coke a, a week ago, a month ago, a year ago. I mean, no, it's been, you know, almost 20 years (laughs) and I never did it again. And, um, and so anyway, but I just want to kind of throw that out there because, um, it really is a demonic influence. It's not just fun. Uh, You could die. You could do all sorts of things that you didn't intend to do. You can, I mean, it's just not worth it. It's not worth it. Not because, not because you're a bad person or because somebody's telling you what to do with your life, but it's just not how God designed us. Mm -hmm. And he designed us to have joy in so many things. And that's one of them that ruins it. So anyway, um, I went to the Saturday night service and 
I have obviously am still at Valley Christian Fellowship. <laughs> so, you know, and they were, they were very excited. The, the bartender from Ham Dogs is coming to church. And um, it was like, I immediately was, oh, so I thought it was so weird that people sang. I didn't sing. I wouldn't sing. Um, I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know how church works, you know, and I'm just like, I liked hearing the word. I liked that people were excited about God. Um, Donna and Anna prayed for me immediately to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Um, and it didn't happen. Of course, my mentality blocked it. I'm very intellectual. This is weird. It's not going to work. And, you know, but I kind of wanted it. Um, and, uh, when they sang, I'm like, I haven't sang since I was in choir in middle school. Like this is super weird. I don't understand. I didn't understand what worship was. So, um, I wouldn't sing, but then the Lord finally ministered on my heart. And if, especially Kayla knows, I love to worship. <laughs> I was just going to, I was just going to pipe in and say, well, that's not you now. Cause I'll walk in and I'll hear you like in the hallway. Oh or... <laughs> Sorry. No, I love it. Well, me, me too. It's like, but I didn't know it was worship. I didn't know that's what it was. I didn't know what a gift it was that it's just, you sing in those praises of the Holy spirit in you just praising God and how much it builds us up. And, um, so, but he finally, one day, you know, I was kind of praying about it and this was back when I really didn't even understand anything I was doing in the spirit. You know, I had the power of prayer. I didn't know any of that stuff, but, um, I was praying about it and, um, he showed me, you know, go ahead and sing and see what happens. It's one of those things. There's those handful of things where it's like, you only understand the blessing of it and that you were designed that way and how it's so good when you go ahead and do it. And then you get to see. And so I worshiped and I mean, obviously I've never looked back. I, I mean, I, I'm not a worship team girl. You know, I like to be out in the audience, but um, I absolutely love worship and I don't know how to stop myself. I go around singing all the time and they're, you know, praise songs. And, um, and so it was just one of those things where he showed me like, no, this is a good thing. And, yeah. you know, the first couple of times I thought it was weird. I didn't know the songs or whatever, but then after a while, it's like, you just couldn't stop me. Like I love to worship and um, so then I don't know how long I had been going to the church, but, um, I got involved with youth ministry. And so then we were leading a youth group. Um, I did that for a few years. I mean, we took them all, all to all sorts of concerts, all sorts of, and I never, I, I mean, LD has been a, a, a good, she became, she was kind of a mentor at first. She's become a very, we're very close friends now. Um, but, and we've ministered to each other on many things, which how does that even happen? I don't know. Only God knows because obviously I just told you my whole background and it makes absolutely no sense <laughs> that on Tuesday nights, I'm telling women how to thrive in the Lord, but that's, that's what God does, you know? Um, and so, uh, I, you know, started leading the youth, having that responsibility showed me, you know, certain things in my life needed to be cut away you know, that you can't, you know, you need to actually walk the walk and see what the Lord is doing. Um, I also started realizing that why I was not letting a man touch me is because the Lord designed us for purity, um, that I had completely identified myself and prided myself on certain things that were just not, a, not, not where your worth comes from or good. And, um, so actually, um, I did end up getting a, an actual divorce, um, from, my first husband, um, he did continue to do drugs and, and go to prison off and on. And um, I never stopped loving him or anything, but I couldn't live in that lifestyle. And he had cheated many times at that point. And, um, but I do think he got saved because when we would date off and on, like he came with me to strength team and he said the prayer of salvation. So, I mean, I just have to hope that he just never learned how to have that victorious living. I, I really hope and believe that he is with the Lord. He just never was sold, you know, never 
was able to have that victorious living. Um, but, and I, and I guess I should explain why I said he's with the Lord. Um, and I'll come back to that, but he ended up passing away of a heroin overdose at, later on in life. So, but um, yeah, <laughs> I'm like, I should explain why I just said he's with the Lord. Um, but I'll, I will, I'll come back to that. But um, anyway, so I was leading the youth group. The youth group just started to thrive. It was an evangelistic outreach, junior youth group. There was actually a really good senior youth group too that was led by somebody else. And um, I mean, we kind of went from five kids to 40, like, oh, wow. like super fast, but it was evangelistic and outreach. Like literally I probably wouldn't let my own children go to it <laughs> now that they're grown. Um, we were literally picking kids up from broken homes that didn't know about the Lord for the most part. Some of them did, but for the most part, and then we would bring them in and we would do, you know, we would do dinner, we would do worship. We would, uh, I didn't preach a message. My um, coworker did. And um, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. And we would take them to like, um, youth conventions and concerts, you know, in different, in California and everything. And, um, so I, I did that for quite some time. Well, next thing you know, I mean, within two years, I'm no longer bartending. I'm teaching kindergarten in a Christian school. Oh, wow. I mean, blow my mind, yeah. blow my mind, you know, like how quickly the Lord just was like, this is who you are now. This is yeah. what we do. And I was just like, okay, God, here yeah. I'm going. And, um, so in the meantime, um, and so the whole time, um, I, 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 I maybe would date a little bit, but I was pretty much single and celibate, which is like a miracle, especially in this culture. You guys know that. And a lot of people don't get saved until after they get married. So they don't even, the concept of waiting until after marriage for a good majority of people just doesn't make sense. And it doesn't make Mm -hmm. sense. I mean, Mm -hmm. when you don't look at it through spiritual eyes, but, um, I did end up falling in love. I did get remarried. I did wait until after marriage. And that was another thing that the Lord just showed me, kind of like with the worship. I designed you a certain way. I know what's good for you. Just try it my way and then experience the blessing. You know, you will see how much better it is when you do it my way. If you didn't and you end up getting saved, that's fine, you know. But I encourage you know, young people or anyone, even adults who've gone through a divorce or, you know, even if you don't consider yourself a Christian, think about um, other things, your emotions, your mental status, your physical complications of, of not of not waiting until you're in that committed marriage relationship. But if you're a Christian, for sure, really take it seriously, not in a bondage way, not in a shame way, not in a, you know, we're telling you what to do, but in a just, hey, if you really are saved and you trust and love God, this is the way he designed it. Check it, just try it because you're not gonna regret it. You're gonna see, you are gonna be so blessed by just doing things the way he designed you to do them. And 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 also know that this isn't why the person's marrying you and that's not where your worth comes from. It's from the inside and who God made you. And um, anyway, so, um, you know, here I am, I'm remarried to um, a Christian and I'm teaching kindergartners at a Christian school and my life was a 180. You know, before that I was, I was married to a drug addict who actually had become a thief and all sorts of things. I mean, you know, I had a SWAT team on me and my daughter one day because I walked out of a house where he had had a machine gun and a SWAT team had their sights on me and my daughter. I mean, I think back, like, honestly, I don't know what kind of life I was living because I never acknowledged any of this as being that crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Now I'm like, my life was crazy. (laughs) (laughs) And crazy things can still happen. I mean, we could walk into a a Walmart and some psycho is there. I mean, life is life, but you know, it was just my 
norm. So I'm completely out of that lifestyle. I'm completely in this lifestyle. And I'm just like, who am I? Like, what is going on? And, and the Lord just showing me, you know, you read the scriptures, you go to Bible, so you go to church. I was very overwhelmed at first. It's like, I don't understand any of this stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't get, you know, all these people are these super saints and they were, you know, I make it up in my head, you know, they were raised in church and I'm never going to know what they know. And, you know, it, and, and I think that's one of the ways the enemy gets to us because it's not true. When you show up in church every week, eventually you start to hear it it starts to make sense, just like any other thing you study. You don't know what you don't know. And so show up, get the fellowship, get the encouragement, you know, get the word, do the praising. And over time, it all just makes sense. You know, the Trinity, I couldn't wrap my mind around that. That was another one where it's like, in faith, I finally accepted it. And now I'm like, oh yeah, it makes perfect sense. Like, I don't know how to not understand that the Trinity is the Trinity, you know? And, and so we get so in our heads or like want to know everything that we can't know. And so much of it is faith. But, you know, when you dig into it, everything in science and history proves it too. It's way more factual than any other junk that we're fed. Um, you know, I went to, I was taking a class at the time where a, a rabbi's wife was the teacher and... Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, everything was just testing my faith, testing my faith. And, um, so then, um, you know, it hasn't been a piece of cake. I have had so many challenges since I've been saved. It's crazy. Um, I'm not going to talk about them, um, be some of them, even though they're very tender and very important only because I, you know, I don't know who's going to hear this and I don't want to be disparaging towards anybody right. else. But um, I will say, you know, some, some of the most important relationships in my life have been very um, tumultuous and I've had to really um, deal with those challenges. And then um, also uh, my ex-husband passing away. Um, I still cared about him, you know, as a person. It was devastating and obviously it was devastating for my children. And, um, and one of my children kind of went off the deep end. And um, I basically was, acted like her probation officer for two years and wanted to give up, wanted to give up. I mean, I went through a very dark period. I was always a believer, but I wanted to, um, I was very tempted in, to do a lot of things that would have just totally uh, kept me from ministry or could have destroyed my life. I mean, who knows how long it would have messed me up. By the grace of God, you know, I still showed up to church on a regular basis. Uh, I would, you know, sit in the back so I could cry. And, you know, I tell people that they try to run and hide whenever things get tough or get really great. I don't need to be in church. And, you know, you're still saved. You don't need to be in church, but it's just so much better. Just go. Be with your brothers and sisters. Let the word minister to you. Hear the worship. When you don't want to go, that's when you need to go. Um, because the enemy will get his foothold and he will have his way. And he almost had his way with me a couple of times. I mean, I'm talking so close, so close to a handful of things that pra I'm praising God that did not happen. You know, um, and when I got through that two-year very rough period, um, what ended up happening is the Lord gave me compassion that I had never had before, particularly for women. Um, I always had certain best friends, you know, women were okay, but I had, I worked with children, I worked with youth. I never had any intention of, of ministering to women, you know, um, at all. <laughs> and, and that's pretty much, you know, where most of my ministry is at now, is ministering to women and it blows my mind totally blows my mind. It scares me. I'm not, you know, Kayla knows she was around when I, um, they started having me kind of facilitate, 
um, at the study, I just kind of helped a friend out because she was having a surgery and I was so embarrassed. I still don't love being in front of people. I've gotten way better at it, which actually really blows my mind too. And, um, but it's like, you know, I suddenly had a compassion before where I would have been uh, insecure and competitive with other women and judgmental of other women. Uh, he started showing me, no, there's a brokenness there. There's a brokenness there. She's insecure too, or she doesn't know how much I love her and how much she's worth. So after all that pain, I mean, I almost, I would hit rock bottom and I almost made decisions that would have just really taken me to the worst, to the worst. I mean, so close to some of the worst decisions I could have made as a mother uh, as a wife, as just a Christian in general, you know, just some of the worst decisions I could have made. I was so, so close and I didn't care because nobody understood how much pain I was in because of some of the things I had endured in those couple of years. Who were they to tell me anything? You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know where I'm at, you know, but the Lord, praise God, had his way. <laughs> And um, I came out on the other side of that just with a, um, a fire and a passion that I never had for the Lord before. Um, another thing over my life that um, I did end up getting baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of tongues. And that was another thing I was by myself praying out loud about something else, just talking out loud, Lord, you know, I don't know if this is what you want, but I want to do what you want me to do. And um, all of a sudden it came out and I went, what was that? And then I went to somebody else. I'm like, can you hear this? And they're like, yeah, I hear it. And they're like, what is it? I'm like, I guess it's praying in tongues, you know? <laughs> so I called Donna and I said, here, you know, it was a year after they had prayed for me to have it. And, and what I realized at that time was I actually could have had it. Like I, the way it felt when it came out, I realized it was always my mind that stopped it. Oh. As soon as I had prayed for it, I, I, I mean, what, the feeling that it came, I realized I could have had it, but I always would stop it and go, this is dumb. This isn't real. This isn't a thing, you know? So, so I just realized now so many of our, the things in our life that, um, that we, you know, spiritually speaking too, that, you know, it's just how many things we stay in that we didn't have to stay in or that we don't receive that we could have received simply because we don't think we're good enough or we think something else is better, um, I even, I, I had a, a move recently. Um, oh, you were sick last week, weren't you? Were you at? Yeah, yeah. <sighs> well, I'm glad you're feeling better. <laughs> anyway, so something crazy happened. I'll tell you about it later. But some, but like literally I started something on fire by accident and it was right before the teaching was about turning ashes into beauty. Like God is, oh gosh. <laughs> it was like a two second thing. Well, that's a parallel for you. <laughs> I mean, it was, I mean, right? <laughs> I'm not going to, but anyway, but, but, you know, um, this house I moved into, I didn't want to have to move. I had a symbolic 40 days to get out of my house and find a place to live. And, um, I had lived in the same place for eight years. I, I stay very, very busy. Um, I have, you know, and so it was like all my efficiency systems were messed up. And also I had a family member pass away at the same time. And lo and behold, I had to deliver his eulogy. And if I hadn't been doing this Bible study, I would have never been able to stand up and do that. So it's like God was just showing me all these things. I choose to move to this house because it was the wiser thing. I didn't want to, I had no intention of it. And I went, Lord, you know, I, I, of course you don't want me to move to this house, but um, just in case you do, you know, I'm going to pray about it. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then uh, by morning, I kind of was like, you know, it's the wiser choice. It's the wiser choice. Proximity and price, it's the wiser choice. So I went ahead and did it. And I was just grateful that God had provided. And Chris, you know, too, because you're the one who helped me with all What am I? <laughs> yeah, you have a piece of this part. I mean, you know, you know how I felt, you know, yeah. and, and all the things, all the challenges. And, um, you know, he was just a huge blessing in my life for that. And um, as far as getting stuff done over there. But um, 
anyway, but now there are so many times where I'm like sitting in a hammock and looking at the view and I'll feel the presence of the Lord like I haven't felt. And it just washes over me and he's like, do you see now? You knew I was providing and, and that was good enough, but you didn't know you were actually gonna be happy. And I'm not talking joy because joy is an important thing and it's not circumstantial, but I'm talking happy. Like I'm sitting there feeling happy, not all the time. You know, I'm still in the world, right. but it doesn't need to be all the time. It's that reassurance of when you just pray and actually let me lead you and you and you do all the things to hear the voice of God and you get the affirmation and the confirmation that lines up with the word and you've prayed about it and all of that. And it's like, and you do it, you don't have any clue what he's going to do and how, how, how much he's going to do. And it, and it, with anyone, with any of us, you know? And so, um, that's just another way where it's like, no, it's still not perfect. There's nothing, I, I still have challenges and, um, temptations and all sorts of things, but, um, there is a good handful of things that I was delivered from. And even if there were a temptation came, it never happened again. And it wasn't my strength. And it's not because of me. It's because greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. I have the access um, to the Holy Spirit power and, and, and victory and wisdom. And um, so, you know, that's, that's the testimony I can think of. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it was way longer than it should have been, yeah. but, um, wow. yeah. So I don't know That's awesome. you guys have any questions or, you know, what I, I, I was sitting there thinking as you were telling your story and he kept going, you know, yeah. but all the different things and, and whatnot and where it led, I was thinking of that song by uh, Danny Goki, the, um, the masterpiece creating mass masterpiece oh, or whatever. Yeah. I don't know, but it's where he's talking about how all these little things are happening and, God's like forming you for who you yes. are and all these different um, things that, that you had. And you even talk about, you know, you mentioned a bunch of times about how, you know, you said a prayer here, you said the prayer there. You're not really sure where you, you know, were saved. But it, you know, it really, all those little moments like God was kind of just forming you and, and shaping you and, and, and pointing you to where you're at now. So, um, but it ultimately still comes down to that, that choice where you end up, you know, finally surrendering to God. And when you finally surrender to God, all those little events and all those little things that he did for you right. leading up to that, everything just kind of pieces together. And, right. You know, I it's don't like know. It's like the tap tapestry of your life or something. Yeah. yeah. It all happened for a reason. And he was weaving it. And even the things that he hated mm -hmm. to have happen and that he didn't put a stamp of approval on, he gives us free will. And those things occurred, mm -hmm. whether they were sin choices of mine or an abuse towards me or whatever the situation was. But once I got saved, all of those things at different moments, it's not like I talk about them all the time, you mm -hmm. know, at all. But in those moments where they come up and I'm talking to somebody who either isn't saved or they're saved, but you know, they're so downcast and not living in the victorious living of the liberating freedom and love of who he is. And, um, it, it's able for me to, you know, sometimes you don't even have to tell somebody why they just know by the way you're talking that you've felt that level of grief. Right. or that level of insecurity and, and all the lies that the devil puts on us to separate us from other people. Yeah. And, and, and newsflash, I mean, I feel like when I was saved, I was kind of on like this, you know, he carried me for a while. But once I had to walk, I mean, there's even been things in the church that have um, been very difficult for me. It's not like no conflicts arise. We're still humans, you know. <laughs> We're still humans here. So conflicts still arise. Um, 
But what he has shown me is you work those things out, you know, your family. And so now, I mean, just my experiences in church and the few times where some things were so difficult for me to overcome, where in the flesh or with my human family, I would have just left. I wouldn't be at the church. I would find a place that tells me what I want to hear, you know, and I'm not even talking about like necessarily leadership or anything, just the people that you're around. And, um, you know, you kick your eyes off Jesus and you think, well, if those people aren't perfect or they say anything that bothers me, you know, Christianity isn't real or this church isn't good enough. No, God created us to work things out, to be Mm -hmm. bridge builders and peacemakers and to understand what real love is. Oh my gosh. I just had a memory I'm not going to bring up, but you know what I'm thinking about. Don't you? Completely forgot. Right on the same line. (laughs) Completely (laughs) forgot, but that's how good God God is. You don't even remember it anymore, you know? Um, And so it's like, you know, we think that once we get saved, it's going to be easy. It's not easy. That's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. It's a blessing. It wasn't going to be easy anyway, but now you at least have the Lord and you're working towards eternal things. Um, And, um, you know, all those things that would have just taken you down, now you have a whole different perspective on. Um, so, but yeah, I do believe that. I believe he's been making us all masterpieces and it's not yeah. an easy thing to believe. It's not an easy thing to believe, um, especially when, you know, some of the things I just shared, you know, I'm fully aware of them. And it really blesses my heart when I tell somebody and it comes up somehow and their mind is blown. It's yeah. like, that's how good God is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like Bill's testimony. I would have never guessed with you, like, all that stuff. Yeah. Like, I, I would have no never idea. guessed you were in a gang. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind well, of embarrassing. <laughs> I mean, I mean, and you guys, obviously, I didn't go into details on so many things. There's yeah. so right. many things oh, that, yeah. and if the enemy could have his way, you know, they'll flash in my mind and I'll think to myself, right. I'm just so ashamed. Yeah. And I'm so embarrassed about this or that, you know. And guess what? It swings the other direction, too, where you start to get legalistic and high and mighty, like, mm-hmm. I overcame that. Why haven't you overcome right. that? Yeah. Uh, I know what's good for me and what's the spiritual thing. Why aren't you doing it? Right. It's like, if you're not in one, if you're not down in the dumps doing everything wrong, you're up on this high horse saying I'm doing right. everything right. right. You know, it's a constant, somebody said it to me um, like this once and I realized it too. It, you know, we're always looking for the Zen balance mm-hmm. and it, it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, we have, we have a, a peace that surpasses understanding in Christ. And, you know, I can't, I wish I could go into all the reasons why I know these things, but people seriously get into Bible studies, go to church and you will understand them. (laughs) You will understand them. You don't have to faith is enough, but it's fun. It becomes fun to get to know the Lord better. It's just so exciting. That's the best relationship you can have. And the only way you can have more power in it and more peace and more abundant living and get to know him better is to spend time with him in prayer and in the word and worshiping and all of those things. But, um, but balance, though, it's like walking on a tight, uh, a tight wire, you know, like those balancers that do in the circus act or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you're constantly going one way or the other. We don't arrive at this place where we have it figured out. Mm-hmm. Right. I wish we did. I'm hoping in heaven. I don't know exactly how that's going to work. I'm excited about it. I don't need to know. I trust in it. But, but, um, but you're constantly, it's like you get one thing down. And then you kind of swing to another thing. And then when you figure out that thing that you, that wasn't quite right and you get that down, well, then you're kind of almost dabbling back in something else. And sometimes you have complete victory over something and it never bothers you again, but there's always going to be something. There's Mm -hmm. always going to be flesh. There's going to be sin or there's going to be things out of your control, but God's in all the storms. And there is a certain amount of balance that we can accomplish while we're in this flesh on this journey um, to learn. And, you know, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I'm, I'm not, I mean, I don't love that I have, I'm getting gray hair, but I also do because it, 
you know, I earned that. And I know some people get it young, so I'm not saying that it's not really a physical thing, but I'm saying in a spiritual way, it's like, I've, I've done some, I've, I've walked some things out now and they've, I wouldn't go back to, you know, being that young, you know, not that there's anything wrong with youth, but there's certain things that I miss about being younger, Right. <laughs> you know, but, but as far as like the, the strength and peace and confidence I have in the Lord and the wisdom that I've gained in the experience. And, you know, I'm looking forward to getting older to have more of that. Mm-hmm. I want to know more of that. That's yeah. so much better than uh, the things that, you know, in the flesh that youth gave me, you know, um, that I'm not going to have as I get older, you know, it, that it doesn't matter because, um, the love that I'm experiencing and the knowledge that I'm growing in, um, with the Lord and which anybody can do, it's not anything special about me. Yeah. It's just, you know, that's the way he designed it. And if we choose to go that way, then, then it'll happen. And sometimes, you know, I don't make the best choice every day. There's some really ugly things in me that the Lord is still dealing with, but instead of running from that or hating that or letting that shame me, I embrace it. I look forward to it. Okay, God, edify me. I'm not super stoked right now that you're pointing this thing out, yeah. but I want to be closer <laughs> to you, so let's do this. Right. And then blow my mind. Like you, yeah. you know, not just in me, but in all my brothers and sisters. We've been walking out our faith. You know, I've been at this church, I don't even, you know, I think, you know, 15, 20 years, somewhere, you know, in between. And um, it's like, I thought I was old when I got saved. I'd already done all this crazy stuff. And now it's like, I'm pretty soon I'll be saved as long as I hadn't been saved. Yeah. <laughs> and, and look what the Lord has done and he'll do it for anybody. He, he wants, he delights to do it. He goes and gets us when we're, mm-hmm. when we're gone. He leaves the 99, you know, and um, if anything I'm saying just doesn't make sense to somebody, one day it will, you know, don't worry about that part of it, you know, just be, you know, seek out the Lord. If you knock, he answers, period, yeah. you know? So, and sometimes I feel bad about the Christianese because some people kind of get it because they, you know, and sometimes you're just shutting the door. And if I was sitting one-on-one and they looked confused or asked a question, I'd be able to break it down and explain right. it, but, yeah. um, right. and um, unpack the whole thing. But, you know, anybody who's listening can feel free to email me if they had questions or mm-hmm. wanted me to pray with them. You know, you guys, I, I've served in children's ministry. I've, I, with Pastor Leo, we did an event called Spirit Fest OA. It, it was bigger than Carson Valley Days at the um, Lampy Park. It was an outreach evangelistic. They had actually sent me to some Louise Plow evangelistic training for festivals. Um, you know, it's like when I first would help with the youth or then I helped in children's ministry, I thought, well, this is what the Lord has for me to do. And this is the way it's always going to be. And But it isn't. It's fun, you guys. He grows us and he uses us for something, you know, we don't want to just get burnt out filling needs all the time. I mean, he will give us a niche and it's like right now I still love children, but I'm not involved in children's ministry. I would love to have enough time to be involved with more than one ministry, but where he's called me right now is, you know, at least for today is the women's ministry and, you know, being an um, office manager at a private school and having my own children and, and doing the side job as an on uh, call youth counselor at China Springs. It's like, there's only so many minutes in the day and you know, we could, we don't want to get burnt out, but, um, and we want to make sure we're doing what the Lord has called us to do. And he'll, sh- he's faithful to show us that, but you know, who knows what else he'll have me do. I don't, I'm afraid to say it because I don't know how into it I am, but maybe missions, <laughs> you know, who knows at what point when my kids are all grown or he just, he takes us on a journey that really it's like, hold on, because this is going to be super fun and it's going to surprise you. It's not this boring, you know, now I can't do anything. And, you know, it's just not that, that people, you know, we, I had in my head that it was, 
I mean, I voted opposite of anything I would vote for now, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I thought everything was progress, 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 you know? And now I see, no, those are actually all lies that hurt, that hinder, you know, that trick. So I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, you had said earlier, um, like, it makes me sad that he had to see me go through those things. And I feel like a lot of us have those thoughts at one point, like, oh my gosh, I'm so ashamed. Like I, I you know, I, I don't want to go to church cause like I'm too ashamed or whatever. But it's like, the truth is like, he knew you were going to do that before you knew you were going to yeah. do that, you know? So it's like, just wash away the shame because he washed away the shame right. with his blood and, and just, just go repent. Mm -hmm. Like there's nothing to be ashamed of. Yeah. Just receive yeah. it. Exactly. Just receive it. I mean, he, you know, Jesus came to the earth and walked in the flesh and experienced all these things he didn't have to experience because he loved us that much. Right. And it's like, you know, he gives us this great gift. And if we don't take it, it's just a bummer because it was completely free. It is completely free. Yeah. It helps with everything. Um, you know, it's, he, he did, you know, my understanding is basically he created us to love us and to be loved by us. And that's the main thing he tells us to do is love me, let me love you, and love each other. Mm -hmm. yeah. Isn't that what we all want is love? Right. I mean, it's so simple. Mm -hmm. Of course, all these things complicate it, which is kind of fun in some ways, you know? <laughs> I mean, I think that's just part of the journey. And obviously some stuff, you know, he never really wanted to happen, but he, who... You know, people don't understand, well, why does God let this happen or that happen? And obviously I don't know all the answers. If God fit into my brain, he wouldn't be God, you know, but, um, I do completely understand free will because even having my own children, it's like, um, if they just say they love me when they don't like some sort of robot puppet, there's no satisfaction in that. Exactly. Not with a spouse, not with your friends, not with anybody. The Lord, how, how much, I mean, you know, why did he create us? Well, I don't know. Why do we all want kids? Not everybody. And, and that's fine if you don't, or if you don't have, you know, actual children, but you have spiritual children, whatever. But for the most part, most people have a desire to have children and they delight in their children. And it's just the same way with him. He delights in us. It's, 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 it's what gives meaning to life, you know? And, um, and I'm glad it's like, I want him to give me free will. I mean, obviously sometimes I'd rather he just make me do the right thing, but there's just, it's just not the same as when someone chooses, right. you know, to do something out of agape genuine love you know so i don't understand all of it but i am grateful for that yeah so all right well all right, <laughs> all right. <laughs> well thanks for having me do this you guys i'm sorry I, I rambled so no, much no it was great it's fine. like yeah. I, we always tell everybody as long or short as you want you know yeah. so it's, well, it's you know, hilarious. realistically, I didn't, I didn't want to at all, <laughs> but I was obedient. And I know I appreciate you coming on here and stuff like that and yeah. sharing your, your story. And it's, you know, there's yeah. a lot of stuff in there for, yeah. for that hopefully will minister to someone. It definitely will. And not, <laughs> not scare them and think, oh my gosh, she can be saved. But, um, and I just want to thank you guys again for um, being faithful to this and knowing that, you know, the internet is a powerful tool that reaches yeah. a lot of people, just like anything, it can be used for good or it can be used for evil. And you're using it in a way that can bring um, glory to God and that someone might get um, saved or just be uplifted because of it. So I appreciate you guys, um, even when you've had challenges or whatever, just really pressing in to, to make this happen. So 
Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's more <laughs> so Chris. I just show up. He does all the tech stuff. <laughs> I yeah. have no idea that. I well, just show up. But you know how important <laughs> that is. You have your sidekick. Like that. so True. That's good. True. Well, and it's and, such an encouragement to have yeah. somebody on your team. It's yeah. yeah. And it's I think, you know, it's nice because like you bring up stuff. Like you brought what was it that you brought up really? Um oh it's just uh trying to get in your like put yourself in your mom's shoes and stuff like that yeah that was really good because I didn't even catch that but when you brought that up that was great (laughs) right so well and that's the thing that I think is so cool and why all of our testimonies really are so important is because you know whatever little piece of my story resounds with the little piece of somebody else's story if it's something that I've I'm either working on or I've had a victory in you know there's someone else who you know, that's the very thing that at the time they're really trying to struggle with. Like, how do I reconcile this, these things that you did, or even right now, how it's a problem for us. And it's like, well, we don't, you know, we don't, first of all, let's try to look at it from a different perspective. But secondly, um, it is, it is, this world is a tough place to maneuver, but we don't have to, I mean, I think if we really do boil it down to, even when there's a conflict, uh, if it comes in love, it's okay. Yeah. If it comes in, I need to win or I'm right or this person, you know, is this or that, it's not going to be okay. Yeah. But anything that we do um, when it's done in love, uh, it's awesome because it's love, yeah. you know? Right. <laughs> so, and it's so opposite of what, you know, we're really in this culture told to be, um, you know, it's all about me mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. So, um, but I, but deep down we know God made us a certain way and we, and we know that that's not right. So (laughs) anyway. All right. Well, um, just, I guess, uh, I guess as always, you know, you can find us on Facebook if you haven't done that already and make sure you like and share our page with everyone and what's it called again? Uh, It's just stories of freedom. So if you just go to Facebook and type in stories of freedom, you'll find it. Okay, cool. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, Thanks again for uh, for listening in, and uh, I guess we'll do another one in two weeks. So see you guys in two weeks. Bye. <laughs>